welcome to 353rd, a bi-weekly podcast discussing the impact of the internet on business. Today is Friday, September 13th, uh-oh, uh, and uh, it is 2013. This is episode number 60. We're cruising right along. I'm Anders Brownworth. And I'm Scott Barstow. Today, before we get started, I wanted to uh, mention an MIT course that I am participating in right now. It's in the aeronautics program, MIT 16851. It's about satellite engineering. And I think I'm probably going to start tweeting little things that, that pop out in this class. But one of the things we're studying is orbital mechanics. And it's very interesting. So if you, I'm just going to throw this out there as a little aside, okay? So if you're flying around the Earth in orbit and you're trying to catch up to a to some other satellite that's in orbit that's ahead of you. Do you know how you might catch up to that thing? Do you think you would thrust to go forward or backward? I don't know. But I have a feeling you're going to tell me. Yeah, you would think forward. I would think forward. But actually the answer is backwards. You You basically thrust away from it so that you lower your orbit very slightly and therefore take a shorter trip. And then by uh, the time the other one catches back up to you, you'll you'll be ahead. Interesting. There's like there's like a thousand little pieces of information like that in this class, and uh, you know it, it it's uh, it's been very interesting. So I think I might just start tweeting little tidbits little, if it doesn't nuggets. Right, if it doesn't get too complicated, you know, I thought it'd yeah. be a lot of fun. Okay, so uh, today what I thought we would talk about is what would it be like. What will it be like, maybe, I should say, if we live in a world where 3D printing is the norm rather than the exception? And what I mean by that is, like, in your daily life, you may have a bubble jet printer at home. You may have, a, you know, an industrial strength laser printer at the office. And you may know that you can go down to Kinko's to get a professional print that's, that's you know, like billboard sized or, or, you know, essentially the, the quality and, and maybe a little bit of the speed gets better as, as you go up on that scale. And imagine then that you had 3D printers in place of all those things. So you had a little bubble jet like 3D printer at home that you could print little things. Um, maybe at work at something bigger. Maybe there's a, a shop, a Kinko's type place down the street that can do something that's a bit more sophisticated. I'm thinking like print in metal, um, print in, you know, different things that might not be practical at the home. What would your life be like? What would change? Yeah, it's, it's there. I think this is a very rich topic, very, very rich topic. And it's funny that you wandered across this and, I, and we were talking before the show that I was reading a, I was reading a book called Knowledge and Power last night which is an absolutely fascinating book by George Gilder exploring uh, the information theory as it relates to capitalism. And it's just absolutely amazing. But he talks about uh, the onslaught of 3D printing and what that means uh, for entrepreneurship and capitalism in general going forward. And, and so I, as I was reading that, I, I wrote this sentence down in, my, in the notes to the book, I said, what will it be like when we print, we print things like we print paper and will the evolution be similar 
and and what I what I was thinking about as I wrote that was it used to be that you know nobody had a printer in their house or if they did it was a clunky old dot matrix piece of crap that <laughs> you know barely printed you know five pieces of paper without the paper getting jammed or rolling up rolling back and it was just a disaster yeah but it was it was the coolest thing in the world That's when right. you show I mean, up that, <laughs> yep. yeah <laughs> then you show up with this thing and people are like wow you printed that at home you printed that at your house it's amazing yeah and 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 if you and then you remember the the really the I think the first mainstream laser printer that everybody had was the HP LaserJet. Right. And that, yeah. That was the first kind of it worked with everything, and you yeah. know, and that and if your office had one of those, the fact that that thing could print like eight page, eight pages a minute, everybody was blown away. Blown away, and and at like you know six hundred DPI or, or higher than that, probably twelve hundred DPI. So really, really sharp. Yeah, uh, and then I, you and then you went to like the LaserJet two, then the LaserJet three, and on yeah. and on, and it just got faster and better. And then color was introduced. Yeah. And if you had a color printer in your in your office, God forbid you had one in your house. I mean, right. then you were <laughs> you were a king if you had one in your a color printer in your house. But if you had a color laser printer in your office, you know you would you would uh, be printing your you know your kids' flyers on that yeah, after hours. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. All this sort of stuff because it was too expensive <laughs> totally. to do anywhere else. And if yeah. you went to Kinkos, it was you know fifty dollars a page to get it done at Kinkos. Right. And. And then, you know, and it sort of went from there to today, really, the printer that you have in your office is the thing that's just very fast. It's usually a printer, a copier, a scanner. You know, it's a high-speed collator. Yeah, a fax uh, it, machine, it, it, everything. Yeah, it, it does yeah. everything, and it does everything very, very fast. Yeah. And and then in your house, like you were saying, you have this bubble jet. And if you're a photographer, you've probably got, you know, a really high-quality printer in your house because – that's maybe that's how you print or um, but, you know, if you think about the printer in your house today, it does a lot of the things I just mentioned. It probably you probably have a scanner. You probably it's, it's a copier. It'll read film negatives. It'll print pictures. Yeah, it'll print on paper. It's, I, it's there's no question. It's color. Nobody has a black and white printer in their house anymore. No, it's always color now. And that device costs less than one hundred dollars for one that's really good, and now they're Wi-Fi enabled. Yeah, so you don't even have to have a cable. Yeah, and <clears throat> so you, it's been interesting to watch that, and just how cheap it's gotten to do something that used to be. You know, I remember the LaserJet three. I think was two or three grand when it yeah. came out. It was very expensive. Well, the uh, the the laser writer, really the first uh, home laser printer, I think, was probably the laser writer. It was like five grand. I actually ended up with one of these stupid things because a friend of mine had won a uh, some kind of a competition on the radio, and they gave him a, quote, brand new computer, which included a laser jet, and he had no use for laser jet, so he sold it to me. He actually pretty much gave it to me. So I had this enormous laser jet, because sitting on the ground, because I'm like a, you know, a twenty-year-old, you know, like college student guy. Yeah, got so, nothing. Yeah, I got. I don't even have a chair to sit in. Right. <laughs> so that thing's on the ground, right next to this old, you know, what what used to be a great computer. Um, yeah, but those those things were, uh, and, and actually, uh, a friend of mine uh, still has one now. Horace has one. That's he's, interesting. He's got a laser writer that has wow. an Apple Talk input. So the 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 time it takes to print even a page that's just text 
it's like five minutes a page. I mean, it was really, really slow. If I don't know if you remember back to this time. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, was just like, horrible. Rain. So what has rain. happened then? Like what's, what has changed in, uh, the, the, the way that you do things? Now we, we, you know, we've gotten into this whole thing where for whatever reason the market has made the bubble jet printer except they put all the, the really high precision devices and all the high precision equipment inside the cartridge. Right. And the cartridge can cost as much as the printer does. Yeah. So yeah, the, and those things wear out quickly and over the life right. of a printer you'll probably spend five or six times what you spent on the printer sure. on all the on all the accessories. Yeah, exactly. As a matter of fact, I've got a laser, a uh, a bubble jet printer here. It's sitting on my floor, not surprisingly. Uh, but the reason is I couldn't. I just couldn't handle how how slow the thing was and how I, I uh, it always has a mind of its own. It never wants to like bring the cartridge out so you can just change the thing. It has to bring it out and in and out and in and out and in about 16 times. Uh, it's so annoying. Yeah, all I need to do is change the thing. So I basically what ended up happening is I would wait for the thing to come out, and then i pull the plug. So it, it couldn't <laughs> it. retract the thing and cut my finger off. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it would be, I had a hate-hate relationship, it's fair to say, with this little thing. So I, I've gotten rid of it, and I went laser because, I don't know, looks better. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but if you remember... If I don't, I'm, and I'm sure you do. If you remember, here's what I think is interesting to think about. So what does – so you kind of have the impact of these devices in your house. But I think what may be more interesting to think about or at least as interesting is if you remember when Kinko's opened, it was – everybody was amazed. Yeah. Because you could – and I remember uh, being in college and you would go down to the Kinko's to get – to do anything that mattered – you went to Kinko's. Like yeah. I remember doing my uh, when I when for my senior project, we did this. Uh, you would go and you'd meet with this business for the entire semester, and at the end, you gave them a recommendation on well, here's what you need to do in marketing. Here's what you need to do, and it's kind of this cross disciplinary sure uh, report that you handed to the business at the end of the semester. And I remember going to Kinko's, and you'd go down there, and you know we took the file, we did the entire report. On a little Apple IIe, yeah, and then took that, you know, took the disc, brought it down to Kinko's. Kinko's does their thing and prints it, and then collates it and makes everything look beautiful. Binds it and hands it back, and you know, gives you five copies back or however many we had made. Yeah, and uh, and and it was just this place where magic happened. It is the and, most amazing <clears throat> thing in the world. You walk yeah. in with with just. Uh, a, a concept essentially on a on some media it's yep. it's data on some media and you walk out with a physical product that looks good to boot i mean that's right <laughs> it's that's incredible. right so it makes it makes me wonder in this uh like w is there somebody that's going to open the kinkos of 3d printing or will kinkos oh yeah or i guess now it's fedex but will kinkos have 3D printers, or will there be the equivalent of Kinko's where it's all 3D printer? And you've got, you know, you've got, if you remember in Kinko's when they started, when you started to be able to do your own printing, you could choose which printer you wanted to print to. And, you know, the color one was $2 a page and yeah. the black and white one was 50 cents a page or whatever it was. And then if you really wanted to, you know, go crazy and you had a three by five thing that you needed to print, that was like, 
something says a hundred dollars a you know a foot or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Just crazy stuff. Yeah. And but you would sit at a terminal, you know, inside Kinko, sit at a PC, you'd push your, you know, you'd put load your media in, pick the printer, and then, you know, jack with it and make sure that it worked and test it and print probably print print at least two or three times what you actually wanted to print to get it right. Yeah. Uh, and it seems to me that there's going to be that kind of opportunity for, you know, a franchise to have everything from the low end kind of really fast black and white kind of 3D printer thing that does smaller things and does them really well and yeah, does them does really them in, fast. Does them in plastic or, yeah. you know, not a lot of materials. And, that's right. Yeah. That's right. It's it's you can cho- choose from one or you know t- uh, less than five materials. Yeah. It goes very fast all yeah. the way up to. What you were talking about, where I want to machine a piece of metal, yeah, and you know that's kind of off in the back room, and there's somebody paying attention to what you're doing so that you don't do something stupid. Sure, right, and, you, yeah, and, you, you but might. it's that kind of. I think there's that kind of opportunity for 3D printing. There's the Kinko's equivalent. I yeah, believe. I think I think Kinko's buys these things as soon as they're productized to the point where they are like a printer, uh, even a high-end printer that you buy off of you know, some, some online store or something, uh, they're going to be able to do it. Um, I don't see a real, it's very congruous with their business. I don't see a real reason for them to be blindsided by this, uh, by another company an upstart kind of doing this thing. However, that said, you do have the upstarts that are already doing this. Shapeways is a great shapeways.com is a great example. They uh, fantastic site. Yeah, they they you can they even have an online thing you can design your 3D model and then you can say print. And well what do you want to print in? You want to print in silver, gold, you know, aluminum. They'll they'll machine it out of that for you. It's really cool incidentally for logos of companies. If you come up with a new logo and you want to show it off, Print mm-hmm. it in metal and stick yeah. it on your desk as a paperweight. It, it's it's impressive. It's very cool when you do that. Um, in any case, uh, the the shapeways of the world I think represent the highest end of 3D printing and and 3D machining and and these kinds of technologies. And for them to add a lower, you know, go down market is very easy. So I see that as maybe competing against the upper end of where a Kinko's might go, mm-hmm. but I still see a world where both of them have their place. Because at some point, you know, I don't know if you're printing with liquid metal. I mean, it's going to be really, there are going to be situations where the inputs are too dangerous or too, I mean, you know, maybe it's made with nanoparticles. Who knows, right? There's going to be some uh, special purpose things that really require a very high-end um uh, company to, to, it's not going to be something that you're going to have at home. Right? right. And then the, the other thing, uh, that I'll mention that this tends to do aside from just access to these printers and these, uh, devices is what it ends up doing in terms of, uh, the, the objects that you print. Because now if you're printing in metal, uh, in an additive process, you could very conceivably print a transmission for your car where the case has no seam where everything it's just all in there everything you need it is a a one-off that you don't ever expect to change the the transmission oil you would just expect to throw it away and put a new transmission in right for example right so they'd be complete systems 
totally sealed systems that would do this. Another another case that we were talking about before the call is what about uh, a, a situation where you have leftovers in your house? Mm-hmm. Okay, you, you've eaten dinner, you have leftovers. Well, why don't you have a 3D printer just print a casing or like you would normally use a, a Tupperware container, but it never fits in the fridge right. It's the wrong size. It, it's too big or too small for the food or whatever. Why couldn't you print a covering over your food that doesn't touch your food, but is airtight? And then it's a one-time use thing. You throw it in the fridge. It maybe it clicks onto the side of the fridge to fit more more conveniently. Who yeah, knows? it's microwave safe material stuff right. like that. Yeah, yep. you pop it out. You you crack it, and out comes the food. And then you throw it away. Yeah. So it's like a Tupperware that gets used once. Yeah, I think that's 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 a really cool idea. And you were <clears> mentioning <throat> the 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 orange juice. Yeah, one of the it's just these these little things that I think are going to be there's going to be an opportunity for people to think completely differently about where right now if i go get the big thing of orange juice the big tropicana you know one or two gallon thing i think it's a one gallon jug you know it might fit in my door but it's not really built to for other things to stack well around it it's rounded yeah it's you know it's made to look nice and be attractive, but it's not necessarily made to fit in my fridge the yeah. way I want it to fit in my fridge. I might have on my door. I might have, you know, uh, I might have a. I might have more more room vertically, less room horizontally. Right. They don't take any of that into account. So my thought was, what if I get that orange juice home and I've got a, a, a you know a one or two gallon thing that I've printed. And I just pour my orange juice into that, and it's and it's and I've made it to fit how I want to live with my refrigerator. So it fits flat. Well, the question then, I guess, is how come they haven't made refridges that have this already? Are you saying that look, hey, I'm always getting a gallon of, and, and they they don't fridges don't come with little gallon size, you know, container things. I think they don't. They don't. And I think it's because everybody does it differently. Differently. So you might get the half gallon, you know, apple juice that's from Whole Foods. And I get, you know, the one gallon uh, orange juice container that's Walmart brand or something like that. I'm a snob. (laughs) There's no question about that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Good. But the, uh, but I think it's, they can't accommodate. Uh, because there's such a wide variety of choice and all of that, I don't think I think it would be impossible for the manufacturer to accommodate that. Yeah. But what they can do is say, "Look, here's, you know, with 3D printing, I think you'll be able to say, oh, I, I'd like to keep, you know, a gallon of orange juice in the fridge all the time, and right next to that, I want to keep them, you know, a half gallon of milk, and I want to make the milk one, you know, fit ex- fit flush yeah. with with both. Uh, so it's you know the corners might be slightly rounded so that they fit exactly. Yeah. into the shelf and and leave no room for and maybe so maybe one you know two of the corners are rounded and two of them are flat yeah sure so that it fits flush against the next container sitting next to it and you can do all sorts of those kinds of things and i think the tupperware thing is really interesting in that how does a company like tupperware when you can print your own tupperware so i might buy yeah. a, i might buy a tupperware right a quart tupperware thing yeah and use that as the model and print my own. Well, so and how does and how does Tupperware like what's the what's the legal what yeah. the legal, legal ramifications in terms of intellectual property? Right. So uh, generally, but Tupperware is a really interesting example because they've got this patented you know burp the you burp the lid and you know all this other sort of stuff. So how do you 
How do they keep you from just doing that yourself, I wonder? Well, I don't think they do. I mean, you're not going to print a, uh, a Tupperware. Well, you could. But you're probably not going to print a Tupperware thing because, as we're saying here, look, the, the standard Tupperware doesn't fit my needs. What would fit my needs is something that fits in my fridge in a certain way or whatever. So you're probably building something a little bit different there. But it does bring up a good point, and that is, you know, what is – what does Tupperware have aside from the uh, the the brand and the mind share there on the the product? I mean, what do they have? They have a, the ability to mass produce these things and distribute them. Yep. But aside from that, I mean, what are you really buying? Okay, you're buying the piece of plastic, but you're not paying ten bucks for a tiny piece of plastic that maybe costs five cents. Uh, because it, you know, you because the sky is blue. You're doing it because it it fits a certain need, and this would this would totally take that need out. So I don't see Tupperware doing very well in this equation. However, I see a whole new area for everything from 3D scanning to people that are just good making 3D objects on computers. However, even conventionally, right? I mean, you yeah. could you could have your uh, Xbox Connect at home, which does depth perception and and you know use a you know use a program to come up with 3D models and I've seen this kind of thing they're not very accurate because they don't have to be you know it doesn't have to be very accurate uh to to play a game but maybe a, a ultra high res connect comes out using right. the same ideas yep. and then you just put whatever you want in front of it and then now it's and now it's scanned, and now you have it as a 3D model. Now you could just print it on a 3D printer. I think that might be a companion thing that, for whatever reason, hasn't shown up yet. Um, and, and I'm at a loss to explain why. Maybe there's a format issue that that 3D printers incidentally have right now, really, because there's no PDF for 3D that I know nope. of. No, nope, there's not. And I think that's those standards will be. It'll be interesting to watch those standards emerge. Agreed. Because yeah. what what we're going to, you know, it's 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 akin to, well, you had you have you had you know Microsoft Word and you had Word Perfect and you had the and then you had you know the open the open Office suite and you know, all these different formats, right? Right. And and it used to be that it was very difficult to go between formats. So if you had a Word Perfect doc, it was a pain in the rear to get it into Word. To put and, it mildly. Yeah. And and but now. All of that's dead simple. Yeah. I could open a, you know, I can if I have Microsoft Word, I can open just about any document format. And the same is true, obviously, of Google Drive. It will yeah, open and just else. about any doc because yeah. the market has forced them. The market has forced these companies to adopt not the not a standard necessarily, but they have to support um, each other's formats. And so I think your point is a good one that there's there needs to be this sort of, you know, when when the when the when the ultra ultra high res connect device uh, comes up with the 3D model, that needs to be in a format that all these printers understand. Yeah, right. That like that's got to be. It can't be. Oh, if you've got the XYZ printer, you've got to have this, and if you've got the ABC printer, you've yeah, got to you have this the, other yeah. thing. And it, I think that's. It'll be interesting well, there, to see that see so, how that emerges. Yeah, there are there are uh, CAD formats, obviously. Sure. But the problem is they are very heavily focused on uh, measurement and engineering requirements. Okay, that's not necessarily. I mean, if you're going to print a 3D whistle, right, to give to your kid to let him blow this whistle, I don't know, right? 
Yeah. Who who cares if the, you got the scale slightly wrong? It actually doesn't matter in that case, right? Nope. That's if right. you're if you're trying to print a, a tool to open something or something, maybe the ma- maybe the size matters a little bit more there. Um, but actually, it gets to uh, another thing that um, I've been thinking about, which is the accuracy of this. This is not a panacea. You can't just print anything under the sun. Um, you know, it's it's going to be some time before you can print. Uh, 3D circuit boards, which I think incidentally is going to be incredibly great. Like if you have a, a P and an N and uh, some kind of resistance material and a capacitive material, and you could just essentially print entire circuit boards and, and make them, well, that's going to be a lot of fun. But that's kind of down the road, right? The other thing that's down the road, I argue, I have access to this printer uh, here at MIT, which is just amazingly good. I mean, it, 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 you know, it's like it seems to be several microns across. It'll do. It's, it's just amazingly good. However, I doubt I could print an underwater camera housing for my camera, right? Because it's not going to be able to print a nice smooth lens just right. I might put a lens in there and then you know print the rest around it, but that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. So I think there's there's a, a niche that this whole thing goes into, and it's not exactly the you know, blow everything away and print anything you want, but it will very significantly impact uh, what your house is going to look like in 20 years, what you have in your kitchen, what China builds for us. They're going to give us raw materials instead of, you know, widgets from plastic forms. And it's going to be very different in that case. I think Um, that's right. And I think there's this, there's going to be this, uh, there's going to be this marketplace for creating materials and the distribution of those materials. And then yep. I think what will be interesting is handling, just like we have to handle recycling of everything now, how do you handle the stuff that doesn't get used to make your model? All this stuff has right. to be, when you're printing, It's now it's the fa- that's kind of the factory's responsibility, right? So if it's happening in China, we don't worry about it. If it's right. happening here, we've got regulatory requirements around how that stuff gets disposed of. Yep. But now if I'm printing something that's uh, you know a toxic material but I'm doing it in my house, how does the who knows what I do with that? Maybe I bury it in my backyard or I who knows what yeah, I do. Feed with it that, to the so. dog, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Give Absolutely. It to the dog no, that's a good store that barks all the time. Yeah. So you know so he shuts up permanently or there something you go. like Print that. Print a gun, you know? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but I think it's the the impact of this particular thing on our relationship and dependency with cheap or uh, on cheap manufacturing it'll be interesting to watch yeah. with the adoption of because it's not going to be. I think you're right. There's going to be things that it's still better to mass produce. Mm-hmm. But I, it's it the question is if I want, you know, this thing on my, you know, I want this ornament to hang on my Christmas tree, or I want something to put on my shelf that's only in my head. Now my choice is I've got to go find somebody that has something close and I've got to buy it. Yeah. And And it's never exact. It's it's probably not what you want. It's, it's not exactly what you had in mind, but it's close enough. And now it's, I think in a year and a half or, you know, Less than that, probably it's going to be, uh, you know, I just, oh, yeah, here's a design for that. I Maybe I tweak it a little bit and I print it and then I go hang that ornament on my tree. Yeah, totally agreed. So, so thinking one step past the whole 3D printing, let's call it a revolution because it really, I think it is. Um, 
what about uh, and, and, and in some cases this is already happening instead of printing something you program something to grow the way that you want it to. Now, you know, very simply, crystals do this already, right? You grow crystals mm-hmm. because they, they kind of, you set up a little form and then they, you know, more and more molecules kind of click in where, where they fit best. And, and over time you grow this crystal. Well, why couldn't you grow pretty much anything else just in the same way? Uh, I could see, you know, because of course we as humans were grown, right? At one sure. point. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't get you be able to get a, a whole bunch of raw material and an instruction set and say, okay, go and give it a lamp or whatever it is and then let the thing grow the way, uh, it's going to. I, I think that, I mean, obviously that, that seems to lend itself very, very heavily to, uh, organics. But mm-hmm. I think there is a, a big case to be made for inorganics, which are not – I don't think anybody's really working much on that yet. But I think that could become something very, you know, interesting. Like down the road, you grow a house, you know, something <laughs> like that. awesome. Yeah. yeah, or a car, you know, whatever. And you can make things that are in, intensely uh, complicated and convoluted, really, in this scenario. I, I think it would be just really interesting and sort of something to keep – I think in the back of my mind. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing that I think will be interesting is we, the ability – I was thinking about this last night as well – is how do you combine – I think there's two There's two really cool things happening right now. Uh, well, there's at least two. The two that I think may go together in an interesting way is, is uh, the 3D printing thing we've been talking about and the Internet of Things and the ability mm. for you to use you know a Raspberry Pi, an $18 computer – 35 along, or 35 whatever it is along with something you print. So yeah. what if the stuff that you're printing is uh your there's sort of these standards that make it it just works with the really cheap computers that yeah. you're now able to you know so I buy I print myself a you know a camera and that camera already works with this computer and I'm able to print my own home security system or you know, and the and the, and the the programming for it's already there, and I think it's it's a really cool intersection of very inexpensive technology that's coming that puts most of the power back in the hands of us as individuals instead of companies. Yeah. Uh, in in terms of being able to piece together and build really really interesting things. Yeah, that's a great point. I think what you're getting at there is like you're you what you're what you're uh, building then are Lego-like pieces. Yes. So for a home security system, you have a camera-like piece, and maybe the CCD is something that you you get or maybe grow, right? Mm-hmm. You get that, and then you you get the computing brick, you know, the guts for the computing brick, and then the guts for the motion sensor, blah, blah, blah. And then all of these pieces you just kind of, you know, plug into your house in a way that, uh, they don't actually have to look like Legos, obviously. But the point is very much like the orange juice container plugged into the fridge. You make a piece that plugs into whatever your environment is. Um, yep. you know, it's yeah, and like, it's made. It's made. It's purpose built for just me. Right. Yeah. yeah, and and then and then you watch somebody uh, try to steal something from your house, and they don't know what to look for. It's kind of the same thing that has been going on with the Find My Friends app on the iPhone. Somebody mm-hmm. steals your iPhone and, you know, 
you're you're chasing them down the street because you constantly get updates from the uh, the phone. You see where it is. <laughs> uh, it's pretty scary uh, for some thieves. Uh, there are some humorous stories online. Anyway, I digress. Uh, I think that's all the time we've got for this week. Uh, we will be back in two weeks uh, on the next episode of 353rd.